This morning is the second um, week that we're in our series, Overwhelmed. Last week, we talked about perspective uh, and how we need to have the right perspective uh, and the right attitude when we endure hardship. How many of you have ever gone through something hard? All of us have, right? And if you haven't yet, you will soon. (laughs) But when we endure hardship, when we endure tests, when we endure trials, perspective is paramount. It matters how we look at the problem. Um, I was talking to someone recently who seemed to not be able to find a solution for something. And I said, well, have have you considered this solution? And they said, no, never thought about it. I said, well, it it wasn't magic. It was just I was outside of the situation and I offered up my perspective from the outside. See, what happens is we get into something that might be uncomfortable or hard or a stressful circumstance and we narrow our focus on just that thing and it becomes overwhelming. And if you're like me, you've been overwhelmed at some point and it's not a question of if it will happen. It's a question of when it will happen because it will. This week, I wanna share with you a couple things having to do with stress and anxiety. Um, How many of you have ever been stressed out? How many of you can attribute some of your gray hair to being stressed out? Or you'd like to say, (laughs) right? I would like to say that as well. I think a season of my life happened and I started gaining some gray hair um, and uh, I can't stop it. It's just, once it started, it's, it's happening. But when we get stressed out, we start to narrow our focus. And instead of doing that, we ought to take a step back. And I think it takes a step of faith to step back out of stress. I want to clarify a couple things for you this morning, though. There's a difference between stress and tension. Do you agree? There's a, there is a difference between stress and tension. They're not the same thing. Tension is part of life, and stress is something that we suffer as well. But tension is important, and we all experience it. It is not a bad thing. Tension is everywhere in this world. Tension keeps the roof on our house, keeps the bridge underneath our car. It keeps our tires on our wheels. It keeps our instruments tuned. Uh, We have tension even in our body. The word tension comes from a Latin word meaning to stretch. I've been stretched. (laughs) I know you have too. I hope this word applies to you today, but I really think that our bodies are a magnificent structure. You were not a blob that turned into a monkey that turned into a man or a woman, okay? According to God's word, we had an intelligent designer as well as creator. So God designed our body. He designed it the way it is. He created it. And one of the things that's inside of our body that really helps us is a thing called tendons, comes from the same word. It's talking about tension. It's a, it's a fabric of our body, basically, fibers of our body that hold muscle to bone. It helps us. And if we don't have those or if they get cut or if they get torn, you've seen some sports or athletes and things like that who have had experiences where they've had issues with their tendon. You can't do what you once did once the tendon snaps or once it's cut or once it's broken. But tension is good. Read in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 this morning. It says this in the New King James Version, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we live in this world, but the Bible is telling us there in the letter to Romans that he's written, uh, that the Apostle Paul has written, he tells them, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In this world, we always have the tension 
of will we conform to this world and the age, the present age that we live in, or will we conform and be transformed by God's word, by the living word of God that has the ability to renew us and to change us. So here's what stress is. Most Bible translations would not tell you uh, the word stress specifically, but it does talk about anxiety. It talks about worry. It talks about trouble. It talks about issues of the mind. And so it's important for us to get an, an understanding of what stress is in today's context. We would say it's pressure. And I, I, I was half tempted to play the song, Pressure Pushing Down on Me. Uh, if you know the song, it just, it's kind of catchy. But that's what stress is. It's pressure, plain and simple, and it's happening all the time. But here's the thing. We have the ability to step outside of that which is giving us pressure and to depend on God who can help relieve and release some of that pressure. I hope I'm, I'm, hope, hope I'm speaking to somebody here today about being overwhelmed because if you've been overwhelmed chances are you may have barely gotten through it and you wish you would have known better how to handle the situation now you come into a situation or you will come into one sometime soon and i hope this will give you tips to be able to walk you through what it looks like to not be overwhelmed but to be an overcomer because the scripture declares that god wants to give us victory It's pretty cool when you look through scripture and you see the people of Israel as they're traveling through the desert, through the wilderness, God is gearing them up to go to war with these nations because he's promised them a land. He's promised his people good things, but they were not without a fight. And that's the same thing that is true of us. I don't believe that God is seeking to punish you. I, I really sincerely believe he's seeking to promote you. If you look at the story of Joseph and all the stuff that he suffered through, if you're not familiar with it, it's in Genesis. He got sold into slavery. He had all these issues. He had false accusations against him. And yet he still stood the test of time because God was on his side. So at the end of it, he walked through all that stress, but God promoted him. You think about the story that you would have heard in Sunday school about the three three guys that were thrown into the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What God did as a result of being able to save them in that moment of, you could say, walking through the fire, that's really what they were doing. But they came out, the Bible says, not even with the smell of smoke on their clothing. That's how much God cares for you. So it's, it's easy to talk about it, but it's difficult and challenging to live it when you're facing something that's overwhelming. And I would say that there are levels of stress in our life, but the level of stress, when it rises to the place where it's unmanageable, that's when it becomes an overwhelming circumstance. It's really like a chokehold on our life. Have you ever experienced high stress? Raise your hand, high, nod your head, yes. You've experienced high stress, so have I. Where does stress and anxiety come from? We could say it's our circumstance, right? We could say it's the things that happen around us. Here's what it is. It's things and events that are unplanned. You ever been caught by surprise? <laughs> Gary was sharing with me a, uh, a, a thing work-related this morning that he got just landed on his desk on Friday, and they said it's due on Monday morning, and he's like, oh no, uh, not because it's his fault, but it just kind of landed in his lap. Well, it's unplanned. It's unprepared for. When my car all of a sudden wouldn't start and needed a starter, it was unplanned and unprepared for. When you face even those simple small things, it can really take your life to another level level. If life went according to our plans all the time, it would be too easy, and I don't think we would need God. Are you with me? 
I really believe that. But when we experience the stress of a professor telling us, hey, it's a pop quiz today, or when we get an unexpected bill, or we have stress when somebody calls us into their office, whether it's a boss or a principal or whatever it may be, those things give us stress because they're unplanned and unprepared. Now, I will say this disclaimer. Some of the stress in my life, not yours, but mine, is caused by me. Shush. My wife's screaming from the third row. Some of the stress in our life is our own fault. So be careful and have the right perspective. And don't say, oh God, pity poor me. Why do you hate me? Why don't you? Because there, are, there is a big chance that you may have done something stupid to cause the stress that comes into your life, okay? So that having been said, you've got to be able to analyze it properly. The other side of it is, is you cannot say, well, the devil's just out to get me. He's the one that broke my car. He's the one that broke, you know, there's a devil behind it. Some people are laughing. They may have used that excuse before. We can't blame it on the devil, and we can't blame it all on God. And we can't blame it all on ourselves, but those three parties are always active, right? Ourself, we're doing things that we may commit mistakes. We may do something that heads us off in the wrong direction. The enemy is really looking. The Bible says he's seeking to devour, to steal, and to kill. He really is out to get those who are believers. He is seeking to cause trouble. And God really does want you tested. I know that might shake you. But he does because he knows that the tests that we have in our life, they produce faith, they produce patience, they produce the character of God when we allow, when we give God permission to help us through those crises or through those circumstances. God helps grow us into the people that he wants us to be. So life is unpredictable sometimes. And when unplanned events happen and when we're not prepared for them, that's when stress really really happens. So the question is not, how do I get out of stress? Because if that's what you thought we were going to talk about, I don't have any answers for that. Because, I mean, you could fix stupid, you could pray to God, you could, you know, speak against the enemy, you could do those kind of things. But what it comes down to is every situation is different. So it's not a question of how do I get out of stress, it's the question of how do I get through it? How do I make it out alive and how do I get out on the other side and be able to stand on the mountaintop and say, I have overcome? How do I do that? I really think another place that we can find ourselves stressed out, and this applies to us in the very spiritual uh, way, in a very spiritual sense, is when we lack trust in God. The Bible talks about us, uh, you know what, actually in Psalm, the psalmist says that some men trust in chariots and horses. They trust in their weaponry, they trust in their armor, they trust in all of these things to defend them or to be the thing that would help them, but I choose to trust in God. That's what the psalmist says. And so with that thought, when we face moments of stress in our life, we may allow ourselves to be overwhelmed because we're not fully trusting God in our God, our creator, our savior, what scripture calls our sustainer. Some of Jesus' own disciples, take heart, some of Jesus' own disciples lacked trust 
in God. And they got to walk the earth with Jesus, yet they still lacked trust. There's an interesting story that happens in in Scripture in the New Testament, and it's told in several different ways about a storm that happens with the disciples on the boat. And Jesus finds himself taking a nap. I mean, the guy's working hard. He's preaching all the time. He's healing people. He's going from place to place. They're in the boat, and Jesus is asleep, and all the disciples freak out, and they go, Jesus, don't you even love us and care about us? How are you down there sleeping? Because he's the God who can control the storm. He's the one who can give peace. He's the one who could speak to nature and make it change. He can do that in our own lives and in our own circumstance. But they lacked trust and faith in that moment. Psalm 20 verse 7 is what I shared a minute ago. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 56 verse 3 says this, the kids just learned this recently, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Who is it talking about? Is he looking in a mirror talking about himself? He's talking to God. He's saying, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 84 verse 12 gives me hope. In the latter part of that verse, it says, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Talking to God. Proverbs 3 verse 5 through 7 A favorite passage of scripture of mine. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not just a piece of it, but all. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So trust not in yourself, trust not in chariots or outward circumstances, don't trust in your, we don't have chariots, I mean you could call your car a chariot, but don't trust in your bank account, don't trust in those things that don't have the eternal value of God himself. God is saying throughout his scripture, all the way through, in this manual for our life, he's saying, I want you to trust me. Every time the people of Israel failed and fouled out and they had a problem, every single time that happened, It was a result of them being disobedient or not trusting in God. They allowed pride to get the best of them and to think, oh, we can do this without God. You ever thought that? I have. Yeah, I I don't think this necessitates prayer. (laughs) I mean, I could just make a decision and go in this direction. That's a bad idea. God really wants to be involved in the very fabric of your life. If we use the idea of the muscular system I talked about earlier with tendons, he wants to be that connective tissue that holds your life together. He doesn't want you to be overstressed. He doesn't want the tendon to snap. He wants you to be able to move, the Bible says, live and move and have your being in him. Let's get back to Romans 12 too for a second. I kind of want to talk about this and Genesis at the same time. So bear with me. And if you take notes or if you want to flip there and just check it out, Genesis chapter 5, I'll reference a verse there. But back in in the story of the creation of mankind and the world, it says that uh, God created man and woman in his image. Uh, You know, all these amazing things happened. The birds of the air, he split the the oceans, the waters. He created the stars in the sky. Uh, We have songs that talk about him naming them. Uh, We've got just some incredible imagery there of what God did in scripture. But God first created man and he did so by breathing into him The Bible calls it the breath of life. We heard a little bit about that when we talked about Beth's middle name uh, last, uh, when we did the dedication. And so uh, her middle name 
is ruah, which is the Hebrew word for breath. It's the breath of life. God formed man and blew his breath, his spirit, into the heart of man, into man. So God first created man and he became a living soul in that moment. He was not alive without that. So he became alive. When Adam sinned though, God's spirit left him. He offended God, he disobeyed God, willingly so, and he offended God, and in that moment, God's spirit left him. In fact, we have the imagery in scripture in those first few chapters where it says that God literally cast them out of the garden and told them they were now separated and that they would have all of these issues in their life uh, as a result of their sin. And then in Adam, only he, now he and Eve, could have children, but the Bible says in Genesis 5 verse 3 that they were in Adam's likeness. I don't know if you've ever caught that before, but you know, we talk about being made in the image of God. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, but then it says when they procreated and they had other children, they were made in the image of Adam. Something had fallen, if you're getting the picture. Something had fallen, so when the Spirit of God left Adam, he now was in trouble. The human race from that time until now and until Jesus returns is comprised of people who are body, who, who have a physical body, and our inner nature needs redemption. It needs God's help. That's why we use the phrase, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, we say, you're born again. You've received a new birth. We'll share a a couple places in scripture in a minute that talk about the new man, putting on the new man or the new woman in this day and age after you've come to faith in Christ. So it's important for us to understand the inner nature was the soul of Adam and that's where the spirit had fallen, his, his original creation. Much like the third floor of a building, you know, if something happened and a bomb went off and the third floor of a building collapsed, what would happen is it would go into the second floor of the building. Well, if you take that imagery of, of the building with it being crumpled in and you think about the new birth that we have available into, into Christ, then we see that God is rebuilding that third floor in our life. He is helping us to reestablish. Jesus Christ helps us reestablish our relationship with God, how God originally designed it. I think an issue that contributes to our stress and our anxiety when we're overwhelmed is because we are living in the flesh and we're behaving like the old creation rather than the new creation that God is trying to help us live in. So when a person is born again, God creates the new life with inside of them. We are body, soul, and spirit. God tells us that the coming in of the Holy Spirit is the means of transformation in our life. If you have become a believer, Romans 12, 2 that we were reading, if you have become a believer, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. The Holy Spirit has come into your heart, come into your life to help restore you and bring you to the place that God wants you to be. That's a great thing. And we lack that if we're not believers. If we don't have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we lack the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But look at what Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 24 says. It says this in the New Living Translation. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and your attitudes Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. 
if you catch it in Romans 12 verse 2, it's a command. It says, do not be conformed. It doesn't say, hey, if you guys feel like it, if you want to try this kind of thing, it's a good idea. I think you should really put it in. No, it says, don't be conformed to this world. And interestingly enough, in the actual translation of scripture from the Greek, it says age. The present day, don't, don't let yourself be given in to the stuff of the world that you currently see around you. But let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have a choice. In Ephesians 4 that we just read, it says, cast off or throw off the old, the sinful, the nature that you have, that former way of life. When we come to Christ, we ought to be different. When we come to Christ, he changes us. That's the key. That's why we believe here at Celebrate Church, we don't tell people how to act and behave. They have got to get to the place where they see what God says in Scripture and where we preach that, and then they live according to it. We had an instance in another church in another place that I'll share with you that's kind of funny. Had a, had a, um, a person come into the church and was greeted by someone that was less than qualified to be a greeter, and you don't need a whole lot to be able to shake people's hands, but she immediately criticized the way he was dressed and what he was wearing and the tattoos on him and the different things. She immediately under her breath, just had that judgmental attitude. Listen, if you do that here, I kick you out, okay? God doesn't want us to be people like that. I, I kick you out, but a whole bunch of people will kick you out. So God doesn't want us to be like that where it's judgmental and telling people to conform to God's standard before they become gods, before they become the possession of God. They're, they're to become the children of God, be filled with the Spirit of God, and then I've got to trust that the Holy Spirit will use what is said in our studies, in the messages, in the way we worship. I've got to trust that God will speak that to the heart of every person who comes so that they will live according to his plan, according to his will. There are other people that want to harp about all kinds of vices, and they're not good. You should have the Holy Spirit in your life and taking control of your life. You shouldn't allow these other things to control your life. But we don't talk about that stuff. We talk about the Holy Spirit and the need for him in your life because that's what we all lack. And I think there's something important to talk about. We all not only lack it, but we leak it. When I use some of the Holy Spirit's power to live holy, and it's a challenge to do that. How many of you found it challenging to live the life that God wants you to live, right? It's challenging sometimes to make the right decision to live righteous and holy. And we all mess up. We all fail at that. But here's the deal. When we, when we have those moments, God wants to instill in us and give us more of his fresh power. He's a limitless supply. He has a limitless supply of the power that you need. This is important because we're talking about stress and we're not really talking about the circumstance that you're being affected by right now in your own life. We're talking about how to walk through it and one of the best ways to do that is to lean. There's an old song, to lean on the everlasting arms. To lean on the arms that are time-tested, that are proven, that his word says he's never failed you, he can't break a promise, he loves you with an unending love, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter where you came from, God loves you. That's the kind of God that we serve. So when I'm stressed, I've got to snap out of the circumstance and I've got to get myself in that moment living in the new man rather than taking on that old man which has been cast off. 
But every day I wake up, that old man wants to get back on, right? The old man, the old ways, the temptations of this world, the life that we lead, that's all the different things that we struggle with. The Bible references lust and deception that we lived in prior. It's there waiting at our door, ready to get on us. So that's why it's really important that if we're trying to handle stress the right way, we stick close to Jesus. It's been said, and I've said it many times, but I say this, um, I probably should say it every Sunday and every time you talk to me. Keep coming back to Jesus. I really believe that with all of my heart. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter the issue in your marriage. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It doesn't matter who you've murdered. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life. Keep coming back to Jesus. That's why we believe with all of our heart that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us will convict us of sin. When we have those thoughts, when we want to go in that wrong direction, when those issues happen, we have to reach out and say, God, I want your will to be done, not mine. It's a whole lot more fun sometimes to have our will be done. Isn't it? It is. But God's will is more rewarding. In Ephesians chapter 4, here's, here's how I'd paraphrase it. Do your job. Do your job. Cast off the old guy. If he's getting on your back, if you feel like you're headed down a slippery slope, if you feel like you're tempted too much and you're hanging out with wrong people, whatever it might be, whatever issue you have, whether it's a challenge to be dishonest or a temptation to be dishonest or whatever it may be, in that moment, stop and cry out to God and ask him for his help. You know he's only a call away. That's a good thing. So the new creation is the creation of the new spirit. And this is important for us to know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. They'll put it up here in just a second. When we become believers, I said this a moment ago, but God's spirit comes to live inside of us and dwell inside of us. That is exactly what makes us a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That word there means dead, killed, gone. Behold, all things have become new. God is all about making new stuff. He loves to make new stuff. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about Christ and talks about his relationship with God. It says that the, the prophet who's seeing the vision says these words, behold, from God's voice to, to our pages that we read, behold, I am he who makes all things new. Redemption is possible. It doesn't matter what argument you had with your spouse. It doesn't matter where your career is headed. It doesn't matter the stress. And I say that, and it sounds like I'm taking it lightly, but I'm telling you, if God is on your side, it doesn't matter what you face. You can get through it. This is what we believe. So God's spirit is what transforms our life. And just like the image of that repaired building, God wants us to be dominated by his spirit. I know it's trite to mention a Carrie Underwood song. But Jesus take the wheel is a serious prayer you ought to pray, okay? Because he wants, he wants to be the Lord. That's the difference. Some people come to Jesus because they're looking for life insurance or fire insurance, you could call it. They just don't want to go to hell. But those who actually understand what Jesus came to do, he didn't come to just forgive me of my sins and say, okay, I'll see you in a couple years. He came so that I could have life, and the Bible says abundantly, that I could have this new life, this grace that's available to me. He wants us to tap into that. But the only way we could do that is if we give him permission 
But sometimes we're not willing to give him permission. God wants to be the dominating force in our life with the presence of his Holy Spirit in us. So no longer me or you, but God in the driver's seat. So if we're not living the transformed life that's mentioned in Romans 12 verse 2, it's really because we've chosen not to tap into the power that is present when we had Christ, when we first came to Christ. It's really an issue of us coming to Christ on an ongoing basis and and tapping into the power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. You say, well, pastor, it sounds easy. It does sound easy, but it's extremely difficult. I've walked through hard circumstances in my life and I have not chosen to let Jesus take the wheel. And it stinks. It's not good. But I've learned some things after that that try to, now I have them as part of who I am, that fire that I walk through, and now I try to walk differently as a result of having God's spirit in me, reminding me of what he's done and what he wants to do inside of me. So if I'm not living the transformed life that's talked about in Romans 12 too, it's as a result of me choosing not to because it's a choice. It doesn't say it's gonna happen just kind of, well, let me give you the example. Ever driven a stick shift? Okay. How many of you have a stick shift to drive? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> um, if you've ever driven a stick shift and then you've driven an automatic transmission, then you understand there's a difference. So it's, it's not an automatic thing in our life. When we come to Jesus, that's why we kind of dispute a little theology, uh, theologically with other denominations when they say you can, it's just kind of like a, you know, you get on coast and you run automatically in this life. No, it's a manual transmission I'm running, okay? I've got to choose which gear I'm going in. I've got to choose every day whether I'm going to sin or not. I've got to choose every day if I'm going to let the Lord be the Lord, not just the Savior of my life. That's really what it comes down to. It's a choice. It is not automatic. Although those are easy, it is not automatic. So life in the Spirit is important for us to understand when we talk about stress that a life of triumph is possible, that you can overcome. It doesn't mean that you won't come through it with scars, scratches, bruises, But God uses the broken things to be able to make something beautiful. He's done it in my life, and chances are, if you've lived more than a few years, you may have recognized something in your own life that God could use to redeem. What once was broken can be made whole with God's help. That's what's so important for us to understand. So even when we face the moment where we feel like we're going to break, even when we have those stressors that happen, we've got to have that process of transformation in our mind. We've got to have the Holy Spirit at the helm or at the wheel. When we allow God's Spirit to transform us, then we're, we're able to see what the rest of that verse talks about, where it says that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We'll know that when we have the Holy Spirit working inside of us. So this is how we get through what we're going through. But I will tell you, even though we've joked a little bit and I've shared some stories, it's a lot easier to listen to a message like this than it is for you to make the decision tomorrow, will you let him be the Lord? So I wanna give you a couple tips and then I'm gonna close. I wanna tell you that I think the first thing you need to do when you're facing something that's overwhelming is you need to confess your need for God. I need money in my bank account. That's what's stressing me out. No, you don't. You need God. Hello? 
I need this help in my career choice or in my path of decision, in my new business, in my you know, struggling business, whatever it may be. No, you don't. You need God to help you. So confess your need to God. You need to just say a prayer. It's this easy with your heart behind your words. God, I need you. God, I need you today. I need you with the stress of my life. I need you in my marriage. I need you with my parenting skills because they're lacking. I need you in my career choice. I need you in my friendships. I need you. That simple prayer with heart behind it, with the right attitude, pulls on the heart of God and he'll answer every single time. It may not be exactly what you want it to be, but he will answer. So the second thing to do is pray that his will be done in your situation. This is something that really I think some of us need to come to grips with because we know how we want to get out of the situation. Hello? Right? I mean, we use the example of money in a bank account or a different career or a different kid or a different spouse or whatever it might be. But here's the deal. We might think we know the solution, but we need to be praying. I was caught up this, this week. We do staff prayer on Thursday mornings. We pray for the church. We pray for churches in our community. And I was caught by this thought in scripture. And I, I don't have the reference written down, but on earth, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven? Good things. What, what has God planned and prepared for us? Good things. God, let your will be done. Whatever you've determined before I even lived a day of my life, let it be your will that I'm walking in. Let it not be my solution. Let it not be my way, but your way. So pray God's will be done in your life. I would challenge you, whatever situation you're facing or that you face, don't try to pray your way out of it in the idea of, God, I just need a new car. God, I just need a million dollars. God, I really need a new spouse or a new kid. No, pray, God, let your will be done in my life. The third thing is this, stop fighting for control. Now, this is the preacher preaching to the preacher. How many of you have ever struggled with control issues? You'd like to know what's going on. You're going to be in charge. You have issues. My wife and I, that's so funny that we both raise our hand. It's a problem. <clears throat> it's a problem. If she would just give up control, everything would be all right. No, it wouldn't. Stop. You see, this is good that we're doing a healthy marriages series soon. It's not because we've arrived or because we have tips to give everyone on how to do it successfully. It's because we're all struggling together and there is power in numbers, especially in the people of God. When we're able to lean not just on the everlasting arms, but the people who are in this place, who call this place home, when we're able to do life together like we're doing, there's so much power in that. But getting back to this, stop fighting for control. Let him be the good shepherd. The Bible calls God the good shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd of the sheep. Let him lead you where he wants to lead you. Give him permission to do this. And then the fourth thing I would say, and this is the last, would be read the word. I know sometimes it's dry. Don't get stuck on a genealogy. I, I know there's some points in here that you're like, what are they talking about? We had one of those instances recently in our men's Bible study and we're like, why are they even talking about this issue? That doesn't apply to us. But here the deal is, God's word holds the key. It really does for whatever it is that we face. We can find strength in the word of God. It really is true that the enemy wants to put us in bondage to stress. He wants to wrap us up in our mind with anxiety, with worry. And the scripture says, and we referenced it last week, what can you do? Can you add an inch to your height by worrying about it? 
Can you add a dollar to your bank account by worrying about it? Can you put food on the table simply by worrying about it? No, you can't do any. Worry doesn't accomplish anything, but it it makes you sick. It gets you more stressed. (laughs) Then you feel like you're further and further in in the quicksand. But when we have the right attitude, we can read the word of God and see the truth of God's word. And I believe with all of my heart, the truth of God's word will shatter the lies of the enemy if we'll, if we'll just absorb it, if we'll just let it come into us and live according to it. I want to pray with you this morning. After having heard the word of God this morning and hearing some tips about confessing your need for God and praying for his will, not your will, and not fighting for control and reading the word, I want to challenge you to find a place for yourself in this message. You say, well, pastor, I'm not super stressed out right now, or maybe you are. I just want us to all pray a simple prayer today. And that prayer is this, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me? So would you close your eyes? Would you take just a moment and just think on that? Don't don't come up with your own solution or what you need to do today. Just think about these words that were meant for you today. It's no mistake that you were here today. And so I want you to just think, Holy Spirit, pray out loud if you need to and say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to my heart through this? God, we believe that you love us, that you care for us. You created us. You have a purpose and a plan for us. The truth of the word of God will shatter every lie of the enemy if we allow it to. And today we speak the word of God. We know that you are true and that you've never broken a promise. We know you want to be the Lord of our lives. We know that you want us to decrease in our own strength, in our own glory, in our own power so that you can be magnified and lifted up. So I pray today that the God of peace, the peace that passes understanding would be our possession today. I pray that you'd break fear in the name of Jesus today, that you'd break the power of anxiety and worry. Lord, that the habitual worrier in this room today would find freedom today as a result of hearing your word and living according to it, God. Lord, I pray you'd give us fresh passion to live the life you've called us to. Help us today to make the decision to put on the new man, even if we left him for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple years. Help us to put on the new man again, fresh today, and walk this life with you, because there's no hope without you, God.